So we have reached a point here on the Matt Barry Show, ESPN College Football YouTube channel, and our Sunday recaps with Paul Feinbaum and me that, well, October's over. And we are embarking on the first college football playoff rankings. We are in the month of November in college football, the month you remember, Paul. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And we have we have reached this point. And so overarching opinion on Saturday as it relates to what we're about to see over the last month of the season. Well, I think the treetop was the Big 12, Matt, and there's no way to scrub away the uh, the stench of that loss, as great as it was for Lance Leipold, and I'm, I think everybody's a fan of, of his and that program. Uh, it was a bitter pill because it, it, it's it, you can conjure up anything you want now, but it's going to be very difficult for the Big 12 to factor if if things don't just go completely chaotic, which they might. That, that, that was certainly the, the headline from Saturday. Uh, Georgia, you know, beating Florida, I think, is going to be interpreted many, many ways. I mean, I think, can we now accept that Florida really isn't really very good? Uh, I mean, their their wins are against Tennessee at home, which is good. Uh, mm-hmm. But beyond that, they have a win over South Carolina, which is really bad. Yeah, you know, there, there were two things that I took away from a Saturday where, I mean, if, if it's any indication that chaos is coming, we saw chaos arrive Saturday with, with the Oklahoma loss. And there's twofold with that, Paul. There's one, the Big 12 now is in jeopardy because going in, and we've said this on the recap here for the last two months, that the Big 12 didn't have many ranked teams. So they couldn't afford to have one of the Big 2 go down, the Big 2 being right. Oklahoma and Texas. Texas obviously had gone down to Oklahoma, but now, you know, the Big 12 needed Oklahoma to win out so that if there is a rematch in the Big 12 and Texas gets that, then maybe you're talking about the Big 12 uh, champion getting to the playoff. But I'll take it one step further with another conference. A loss that really hurt in the wee hours of the night was Oregon State ranked 11th going down to Arizona because we see this out of the Pac-12 all the time. They just beat each other up. Yeah. And now you can't have – it's now it's down to Oregon and Washington. That's it. And Washington keeps leaving, living dangerously. And I'm of the opinion that if you keep living dangerously, a loss will find you. And so here we sit before the month of November, the college football playoff rankings, Pac-12 and Big 12 need to be really, really careful. Yeah, and and I just want to say send out this warning. I hope everybody watches and good for them. But let's not let's not get hair, uh, carried away here. There'll be a lot of hot takes, a lot of overreaction. Tennessee was number one last year. Didn't make a bit of difference. They lost twice. Uh, and whether it's Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, I don't think it really matters a whole lot. It's a TV show. I mean, at the at the at the root of it, it's a TV show to at least. Here's what I'll say about the first rankings, Paul. What they do is they at least give us a crack in the window of the okay. mind of the committee of how they're going to do this the rest of the way. I firmly believe that Ohio State is going to be number one come Tuesday because of the two tests that they have. I think Florida State's probably going to be number two. I could see Georgia being number three, and I could see Michigan being number four in both Pac-12 teams, five and six. And that's fine, but you're right. People are going to yell and scream about it when in the grand scheme of things, it's going to take care of itself in the next three weeks. Yeah, and the the thing I don't like, Matt, and, and, and I know you don't, is all of a sudden people just start, oh, college football season's here. Let's uh, see who's who's number one. It, it's, a, it's a little bit of... Uh, and, and I won't mention any of the shows who will be doing that. Uh, but 
it, you're going to get a lot of that, which is fine. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I, we both have been down this road for too, too many years to, to really get. I, I used to get upset. I used to sit there with, on Tuesday and Wednesday with you and other places and do. Oh, this is not, uh, do these people know what they're doing? Well, it doesn't really matter. They'll figure it out. Uh, the Big Ten is really where the action is Tuesday night. And 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 if you're right, and you probably are, they're going to they'll value the Big Ten upper echelon. Although. Uh, you know, count me as not being like really that excited by the fact that Ohio State has beaten what? Penn, uh, who they beat? Penn, Penn State. State. I mean, great. Dame, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame is looking like a pretty good team right now. Uh, I give them that. And that game was at Notre Dame, but the Penn State game at home, so what? I have such a hard time with the Big Ten because I believe that Ohio State and Michigan are elite. I think Michigan is the most dominant team in the country. They have their schedule. It, it is what it is. It's just not good. My problem with the Big Ten poll is that it really is Michigan and Ohio State and maybe 40% of Penn State. I mean, the Penn yeah. State team, they had to beat Indiana in the last minute and a half or so of the game. I mean, you're telling me that's an elite? No, they're not. So I, so the Big Ten, it, it, it always fascinates me that I think top to bottom, the Big Ten of the Power Five is, is the weakest, yet – they are going to have two teams come playoff ranking number one, likely in the top four. They, they are. And, and I think it's because those two are so good. Uh, and, you know, therefore we make, we make believe the Penn state games uh, and, and games like that are, are significant. I mean, Penn state's a, it's a good team, but, but we, 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 we buried Penn state last week. Um, and, you know, they still have the same coach and that's the problem. My apologies for my my autoplay here on the real time laptop of yesterday's uh, Arizona State's big win over Washington State. I know you want to dive into that. Um, I do want to that happened. <laughs> Let's <laughs> dive into the cocktail party for a minute. I have completely changed my tune on Georgia in this way, Paul. I it's not that I didn't think that they were really good. It's that I thought a lot of the ranking that they were given this season was predicated on the last two years of success when most of that team went off to the NFL. And I thought that this year's team needed to prove that they were their own individual dominant team. Yesterday for me changed my mind on Georgia because of no Brock Bowers right. in a big rivalry game and a grow up game for Carson Beck. So whatever you want to attach to the Georgia Bulldogs right here, right now, I am completely in on them because I needed to see something with a little bit of adversity we saw that, and they still whooped Florida. They're as dominant as they ever were. Well, here's what impresses me about Georgia. Uh, they've had two games that I would call really, you know, big according, according to the hype going in. The Kentucky game, which, you know, pardon the laughter, that really wasn't very big, but it seemed like it. And and they delivered, and they, they did it again. And I, I think that, that shows a, a good team. We were talking to Kirby Smart prior to the game in Jacksonville, and he said the most important thing in this game is momentum. And you saw that momentum build quickly and it was over. It was, it was suffocating. And I think if you, if you, uh, you know, look at, uh, you know, sports center this morning and you see the squall, you know, Florida hung in there. No, they didn't. Uh, no. They, they were down 36 to seven. Uh, they got a, a garb, a couple of garbage touchdowns when uh, Kirby put his, his kids and his nephew and nieces in. And uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was a, just a, you know, 23 points versus 29. It, it just, it was a very misleading score. It, it was an, it was an absolute behind the barn ass kicking. Yeah. And, and Georgia now, again, 
I think there were some people waiting to see what's left to be said about what they did this weekend. Here's something with Georgia, though. The schedule that we all looked at, we're like, mm-hmm. this is the easiest road to Atlanta of all time. Missouri mm-hmm. next week, that's going to okay. be a really, really tough game. And then Ole Miss. So there are two games coming up because Ole Miss, again, we res- we we love Lane Kiffin. We love what he's built. But we still have to reserve judgment on them until we see them in another big game. But Georgia's got two weeks in a- ahead of them, Paul. Well, we're going to learn a lot about who they are. And, and not to just add one more to the pie, but you know, assuming they survive that, then they go to Knoxville, which ah, – I don't know what to make out of that game yet. Yeah, who are they? Because Tennessee still has to, uh, you know, deal with Missouri uh, and, and a few other uh, foes. So, but but it's still it will be. It's, there's something eerie about late November in Knoxville, uh, assuming you're trying to to get your get yourself to uh, a, a Atlanta, which they probably will have already punched the ticket by then. But yeah, so uh, I, Missouri is a mystery. Uh, I mean, I I, I have friends. Uh, in the industry, analysts who say Missouri is not that great. I happen to think they're good. I'm mm-hmm. impressed with what Eli Drinkwich is doing. But so far, uh, you know, they, they have a nice win against Kentucky uh, in Lexington. I think a lot of people uh, will have wins in, against Kentucky and Lexington by the end of this year. Uh, and they beat Kansas State on a 61-yard field goal. And they were a shootout away with LSU. I mean, they could have won that game. Yeah, that, that, you're right. That. So, I mean, the, the, we're talking about a game. Had they, I mean, they had, they had a, I think, I think they had a double digit lead against 14 point lead, 13 or 14 point so, lead. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking, this could have been undefeated here. Uh, not, it wasn't far from being the game of the day. It, it isn't, but it, it wasn't far from it. Yeah. And, and when you look at Tennessee, I don't know what they are yet. And I don't know how that's possible through eight games. Because Joe Milton, I mean, Jesse Palmer said on the broadcast a number of times last night, he was right. There are plays and throws where Joe Milton makes a throw and you're like, oh my God, this guy is a specimen of a quarterback. Then there's throws where he can't even keep it in the stadium. And then they've got two good running backs. Sometimes the defense shows up. Like last year, I could pin Tennessee. I could say Hendon Hooker. I could say Jalen Hyatt. And I could say they're, they're, they're an explosive team. I don't know what they are at this stage in the season. And I think that's okay. Well, what they did was was save their season against Kentucky, though, because that was that was a game they could have lost, uh, and and they were they were staring at seven and five or eight and four had they lost that game. Now they they, they they've got uh, two games that are that are you know the Georgia game they'll be an underdog and uh, the Missouri game they'll be an underdog. Let's talk. We briefly touched on the Big Ten. I want to circle back to the Michigan story because every day something new comes out about this sign-stealing scandal that is going on or allegedly going on in Ann Arbor. I don't know what to make of it big picture because I think the NCAA probably doesn't like how Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have handled some of the stuff in the past with the alleged recruiting violations during COVID. I think we could sit here and all agree that everyone – steal signs i know there are rules about advanced doing it i know there are rules about technology but here what i'm getting at with this paul it is human nature now for everyone a la houston astros and that big thing to point at michigan and say see they're not legit they're not because but i wonder if the committee is going to do this 
over the next two to three weeks. Well, I think you just nailed what uh, is 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 the the subplot of Tuesday night, and you know the committee chair <laughs> will be asked about it, and you know they've already got the typed up answer, um, and I doubt it's going to tell us anything we we don't already know. But but as far as Michigan, this is a very sleazy, disgusting story. Uh, it, it, you know there 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 are leaks there there are leaks up there uh, coming out left and right and every and everyone makes the school look worse. That's that that that's on one ledger. But we're also talking about at a time in college football when people shrug their shoulders about everything uh, because of NIL, because of the portal, because of all the things that are going on. And all I all I'm interested in now is you know can any of this stick? Does any of this really matter? And quite frankly, I don't think it does. I don't think any of this is going to stick to, to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I don't think it's going to influence or impact the college football playoff. And, and Matt, that's what we're interested in. Uh, does Michigan have a rogue staffer? Very possibly. Uh, will the university uh, you know, distance themselves from him? Yes. Will, 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 will Jim Harbaugh get dinged? Yes. But, but the ultimate question at Michigan is how, how lockstep is the university with Harbaugh. You got a fairly new president, who, by the way, I think he announced Jim Harbaugh's extension on his own Twitter about a year ago, but but he still hasn't, they, they haven't solidified that contract yet. You've got a tense relationship between Ward Manuel, the AD, and Jim Harbaugh, but that's understandable. I think any, any AD would have a tense relationship with Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, you know I, in my, from here, I think he'll survive this as far as the CFP. And then I believe he'll very, he'll very, quickly and dramatically try to get out of there. Now, you know, does Jim Harbaugh get an NFL job? I don't know. I, I don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, the host of one of these NFL shows. I'm not an insider. Uh, I'm sure he'll try though. I, well, he's tried every year. I mean, he was yeah. interviewing with the Vikings on recruiting day last year. And so that's been one of the things where you look at, you say, well, how all in is Jim Harbaugh? If he's flirting with the NFL every year, there are many people that think this is the thing that will eventually chase him out of college football. But the right here right now is that they, he's got a very dominant football team. They factor in to the college football playoff rankings come Tuesday. I want to wrap it up in the ACC because we were doing it on college football final last night. Clemson. Four and four for the first time since 2010. And this league that was once dominated by a team, Paul, that could hang with the best in the SEC. Everybody. They're at the bottom. And this, this league is Florida State now and some other nice stories hanging on. The saddest story in college football this year is Dabo Sweeney and Clemson and Matt. There's not a single person outside of that area code who, who is feeling sorry. This is a, a coach who has thumbed his nose at the norms of where we are today. I'm not saying the traditions. I'm saying where the, where the game is. And, you know, he has, he has made countless mistakes uh, and it's now blowing up. And, and I, I think the, the, the real question for, for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson is, can he get it back? I mean, these are not easy things to get back. Uh, it, you know, Nebraska uh, has been in the wilderness for 25 years. Other programs uh, have been out there. And it's very possible that 
that the program uh, along with Alabama of, of the last 10 years in college football may be done. I mean, forget the dynasty meeting thing done. That's, that's not even, uh, you can't even say that anymore. That's not a legitimate question. Uh, but, you know, is this program done? And, and quite frankly, is Dabo Sweeney done? And I know that sounds harsh and I know it sounds like a rush to judgment, but, you know, every time he talks, he sticks his foot deeper down his mouth i mean that statement a couple of days ago uh, a week ago about you know the fans you know what if we you know they'll find out you know what if we lost a couple of games well he has now uh they're going to have to fight for a bowl game uh and and this is this is just unbelievable when you think about it yeah and i think they're they're, they're four and four for the first time since 2010 or 2011 when he was just taking over as interim head coach. And it really is an eye-popping look when you consider that Clemson was easily, along with Florida State, the favorite uh, in the preseason in the ACC. And especially, Paul, Florida State, I believe, is going to have an argument for the number one ranking on Tuesday. But look at how Mike Norvell has done it. He has done it in the complete opposite way of, of what Dabo wants to do, which is grab some players from the portal to complement the players you have in-house and go win big. Keon Coleman, transfer portal, Michigan State. Jaheim Bell, transfer portal, South Carolina. He has put some pieces together to be a top four team in the country, and Dabo just won't do it. And he's going to be left behind if he doesn't embrace this model because everyone else in his league is doing it. Yeah, he had such a recruiting base too, and I think that's where he was winning. And and I I'm not suggesting that that's gone off the deep end. He's still recruiting well, but it's it's more difficult. And and, and I think you have to be concerned. And uh, I, I'm I'm not taking anything away from what he's accomplished. I mean, the guy has won two national championships. He played for four national championships. He's been in the playoffs what, five times, I think, uh, Matt, maybe five more. Five or six, yeah, I think it's And, six. you know, he's produced legendary talent from Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence to, you know, a million guys on the, the defensive line. Uh, but I, I don't know when I've seen someone really at the top of the game fall this dramatically, this quickly, and, and not really be, like, in their 70s or something, where all of a sudden you just hit that, that that age and it, it it's a crash and burn. I mean, this guy is barely fifty, I think, um, and and it, it, it's it's staggering to watch uh, what has happened. And and it, and, it, and it it seemed like it happened overnight. Although I really do think this has been trending now for a couple of years. Well, because look, even going back to Taj Boyd, you know, you have Taj Boyd. You had Deshaun Watson and you have Trevor Lawrence, two players that you named. They're generational type quarterbacks. And when you have two of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country, surrounded by some other talent, things are going to go well. When there's a gap in quarterback play, DJU had a moment, transferred off to Oregon State. Cade Klubnick, I believe, was the number one rated dual threat quarterback in the country. And it just hasn't, it hasn't taken. And so Clemson being the if you ask me to list surprises going into November, Clemson being four and four is 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 easily at the top of that list but you, you juxtapose Dabo Sweeney and and really the nemesis that he had uh, really from 2015 through uh, 2018 that you know they played what three or four times in the playoffs a couple of times for the national championship but um Nick Saban you know without without that generational quarterback this year had has cobbled a team together that that is on the precipice of one of the biggest games of the year and with a win sets himself up 
for for a dramatic run. And you know, and, and then you you measure that against Dabo Sweeney, and, and quite frankly, I, I think it's it, the the conclusion is that Nick Saban is just a far superior coach, who even at seventy two this week uh, is adaptable, where Dabo in his fifties is not, uh, and, and and I think that's the, that's the message of, of two of the really most interesting stories of this year, and, and have been of every year. Uh, you know, one guy, the older guy, uh, who who did who doesn't need to do anything else, uh, who's already proven himself with seven titles, uh, and six at Alabama. You know, tweaks and changes, and 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 you know whether he 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 doesn't embrace the portal or or NIL, but 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 he manages with it. Uh, and Dabo Sweeney, who looks like the old man screaming uh, at the kids to get off his lawn. I will be curious as we wrap up here on, on this final Sunday of October, I will be curious in the off season. If there is, if there are conversations amongst him and his administration, like, Hey coach, like we, you've been left, you need to start adapting to this world because if not, you're going to be left behind. And that would force us to leave you behind for a guy that's brought Clemson into one of the great national powers in the college football playoff era, which would be. What a conversation that would be. I'd like to hear it. I know. I would love to have the cameras in that one. I cannot wait for next Sunday because mm. we're going to have the rankings. We're going to have Alabama LSU. We're going to have Bedlam in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. It's why we do this show. It's going to be so much fun. Poor fall. Wow. For Paul Feinbaum. Another long day. 